Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. All right. Hey, yeah, today we're wrapping up this message series, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And, you know, during this series, one of the things I've tried to do each week is to, um, to tell you a little tidbit about Mr. Rogers, you know, that most people don't know. For instance, do you know why Mr. Rogers changed his shoes every single week? A few months ago, KSBJ had a little radio special, maybe some of you heard it, that they said that the reason that Mr. Rogers changed his shoes every week was to send kids a message that he wasn't going anywhere, that, that he would always be there for him. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that's such a cool message. Man, way to go, Mr. Rogers. And so, you know, I just researched it just to you know, validate, make sure that that was actually really true. Um, but that's not actually the reason why Mr. Rogers changed his shoes every week. The real reason Mr. Rogers changed his shoes every week was because Mr. Rogers did the voices for 10 of the puppets on the show. And in order for him to be able to get around to the back of the set on live TV, he had to wear tennis shoes so that people wouldn't hear him clomping around. And so that's the real reason why he changed his shoes, was so that he could sneak around the back and be the voiceover of puppets. And so you know what? Like I went back and I listened to a few episodes uh, of where the puppets are, and it's absolutely his voice. Like I, I just thought it was like another cast member. But once you, once you realize, oh, that's Mr. Rogers, you can recognize that that voice really is him speaking. It's really cool. You know, and I thought about that. That's a lot how God works in our lives sometimes. You know, sometimes our Heavenly Father, he sneaks around the set to the back of our lives, and he speaks to us in ways that we would not expect. He speaks to us through other people. Maybe he'll speak to us through circumstances, through books, even through a song. I mean, who knows what God might use? But he'll speak to us in different ways, and we'll recognize it's him if we listen closely and say, yes, that is the voice of my heavenly father. Because see, some, sometimes we're tempted to think that, that God has left us, that, you know, that, that he's really far away, especially during those seasons of life when it's, when it's hard to hear him. Um, but the truth is, our heavenly father speaks to us in many ways and through many other things. And, and, and while sometimes it might feel like God's deserted us, it's simply not true. He's been there the whole time. But sometimes it feels true. Especially when we're going through a, a desert time in life. You know, a desert time is when everything seems hard. When nothing comes easy. When it's, it, life just feels dry and dusty and hot. And everything just seems to sap the energy right out of us. It's in those times that we feel like God has deserted us. But he hasn't. So what do I need to do to not confuse being in the desert with being deserted? You know, I'm, I'm, 
don't know, maybe for you. Maybe you're going through a desert experience in your life right now. And if that's you and you're going through a desert experience in your life, I'm telling you, you need to understand our Heavenly Father hasn't deserted you. He still loves you. He still cares for you. And he's still there. You might not have heard him sneak around to the back set of your life, but he's still speaking to you through lots of different ways. You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to study the verses that we're looking at this morning is because they speak so powerfully to a desert type of experience. In fact, we're only going to look at three and a half verses this morning. That's it, just three and a half verses. And, and ironically, we especially use the, the first portion of this set of verses on happy occasions. Happy occasions like graduations and promotions and, you know, when people move, uh, you know, whenever somebody's making a big transition in life and it's a happy, good occasion, we tend to quote this first part of this section of verses. But here's the thing. These verses weren't written for celebration moments. These verses were written for people who are in a desert type of experience. And so here's the context. The prophet, Jeremiah, um, he writes these verses to people who are captive in Babylon. And let me explain this scenario. The Babylonians had invaded Israel, and they had carted off literally 90% of the population into slavery. In fact, the only people that they left behind were people who were poor, most of the elderly, and people who had no appreciable skills, essentially they left behind everybody that would not benefit the Babylonian empire even as a slave. They carted everybody else off in captivity. So Jeremiah, he writes a letter, he's in Jerusalem, he writes a letter to the people who are captive in Babylon to encourage them because to them, God felt very far away. They were going through a desert experience, honestly, unlike probably anything that you and I will ever experience in our lifetimes. But for them, God felt so far away. They, they couldn't hear God. They couldn't sense God's presence. And get this, before they gave up on God, before they deserted God, Jeremiah writes specifically to them what God says specifically to them. And what God says to them in their desert experience is the very same thing that God says to us in our desert experiences. So look, if you're going through a desert experience right now, this is for you. And, and listen, and if you're not going through a desert experience right now, one day you might. And so you need to know what our Heavenly Father says. Or if you have friends that are going through a desert experience, these are words that could help them. Okay? So, what does God say through Jeremiah? Here's the verses, okay? Look, you can follow along in your Bible or right there in your message notes or on your phone, however you want to do it, it's fine. In Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning in verse 11, Jeremiah writes this. He, and these are God's words through Jeremiah. He says, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I 
will be found by you, declares the Lord. So what, so what is it that God says so that I don't confuse the desert with being deserted? Look, and I, and I didn't number these because the truth is they're not in any particular order. We, we have to do all of them all at the same time, okay? So here's just your very first fill-in of the day. Very first thing that I gotta do is I, to, I need to listen to other Christ followers. I need to listen to other Christ followers. Look, Jeremiah was a believer, okay? So for us, a believer is anybody else who is a Christ follower. So the best thing that the enslaved Israelites did in Babylon was to listen to another believer. They listened to Jeremiah. Okay, look. God has placed other Christ followers in your life for a reason. The reason he's placed them in your life Part of it is because whenever you're going through a desert experience, whenever God feels very far away, God might be sneaking around the back of the set to speak to you through those other Christ followers. And what God says could change everything. In fact, I want you to listen to a family in our church that that was the exact thing, that same thing that happened to them. Let's listen to this. We're both from Dallas originally, and so we... Um... As we were graduating college, we were getting married I mean, in June, right after we graduated mm -hmm. in May. Three weeks later. And so we didn't really have much of a plan, but we just knew we needed jobs. And so I actually got a job in Houston. You know, we're getting ready to move away from family, go to a city where we, we didn't have any friends or family down here at all. Um, I started a new job, so that was stressful. Like being a first year teacher is never easy. Um, he was working long hours and just that feeling of I don't know if anyone knows what to expect when you're newlyweds and you're in a new city, but it just, we didn't feel like we had somewhere we were supposed to be. Like no one was missing us, no one was expecting us to be somewhere. I mean, I had in my head, because I'm kind of a type A planner personality, that it was going to be put in a year of work so he can get his experience and then we'll just get back to Dallas because that's where our family, our like home security base is. And so I just had it in my mind, I'm not going to make a lot of connections, I'm not going to get too close to anyone because we're just not going to be here long term. We're not going to buy a house here, we're not going to have kids here. And then um, God definitely slapped me in the face with a different plan yeah. once we got to the park. Yeah, because we started attending for a while and you know, there was a lot of talk about joining small groups. And so I think there was just kind of a, a quiet conviction for, you know, we, we enjoyed going to the park. And I think there was a, a while where we're like, we're good enough just to kind of come in, do our thing, and then leave. And so I think deep down, though, we both knew that we needed to extend ourselves and try out small group. Um, and I had sent an email to Colt. And within a few hours, he was like, what are you doing Thursday? You know, come on, we're having dinner, et cetera. And so it was a young married. Yeah, it was a young married couple. That's what we were looking for. I had emailed Colt and then immediately responded with, "Let's go Thursday." There was no hesitation. So we went to that dinner, which is uncomfortable at first, right? So you kind of mm -hmm. just putting yourself out there, you know, and then immediately had a really good night with that group. I mean, here we are, you know, six years later, and our small group that meets on Thursday nights is 90 percent that same core group, and when we started that first night, there was one kid in the group. That was her first, she's just been born. That yeah. was her first yep. small group. Mm -hmm. And we had small group kick off at our house two weeks ago this semester, and we had 17 kids mm -hmm. yeah. now present in that same group of <laughs> Not people. Not the anymore. Um, we've talked about moving closer for his job, and 
the fact that our small group is now our chosen family, like now that's not even an option. I'm like, no, this is where our people are. Yeah. We're not gonna leave, like you're just gonna have to sacrifice for that commitment. <laughs> and I mean, there are emergency pickup at daycare. Yeah. Um, some of them knew I was pregnant before you did. <laughs> and I mean, it's just, I can't imagine life not this way now. You know, our daughter Bryn is, is hanging out with friends in a community that she'll remember for the rest of her life. And it, it kind of strikes us sometimes when we're like, you know, again, being from Dallas, that she'll forever introduce herself as being from Katy. Kind of a crazy reality check and that the, the friends and stuff that she's met and now is involved with at small group are gonna be, you know, people that she's gonna go to middle school and high school with and you know that was kind of ultimately our prayer all along is that we wanted a nice community to raise and design a family and, um, and certainly the reason we're staying is because of that community. You have to be the pursuer of God, the pursuer of that community that you're searching for yeah. and when you do that what you receive back is just it's mind-blowing sometimes just thinking about that one night we took a chance, and now, I mean, it's our chosen family. We, sure. yeah, the yeah. things that we've gone through with those people and just the trust we can throw in them is just something that like I could never thank God enough for. And every time our parents come into town and they're around our small group, which has happened several times, every time they leave, they comment on, it's amazing to watch y'all all together. Everyone jumps into everyone's kid. Y'all all rally around and find a need and you help each other without even asking each other. And that to me is, that's what we were looking for. That, that was what we needed. That's what we were missing. And that's what we were missing. And now with that, I mean, you'll have to probably drag us out of here. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Man, I love that for them. I love it, love it. Listen, here's the deal. Josh and Amy felt like they had moved to a foreign land, okay? Like, they felt like they were in a desert. But what made the difference for them was other Christ followers in their lives. What made the difference for them was how God spoke to them and how he met their needs through other Christ followers. And, and like, that changed everything for them, okay? And, and it can change everything for you. Because look, God can speak to you through other Christ followers. That's why he's placed other Christ followers in your lives. I mean, it might be for multiple reasons, but one key reason is because God might want to use them to help you when you are in your own desert. Look, and I'll just say this. If you're not going through a desert experience, maybe God wants to use you as a Christ follower in the lives of someone who is going through a desert experience. So be open to that and just even, even pray, God, use me to help them, just to encourage them, okay? So God says, you need to listen to other Christ followers, okay? Here's another thing that God says that we need to do. I need to trust that there is a plan. I, I, I need to trust that there is a plan. Look, this is why verse 11 is so incredibly important, okay? I've reprinted it here for you, so here's what I want to do. I want us to read the verse out loud together, okay? Ready? Go. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. 
Look, I mean, I know. Like when you're going through the desert, it's hard to see that there's any kind of plan, okay? Honestly, it's especially hard to believe that there is a plan, and especially hard that it's a good plan, that it would provide hope in a future. Because those are the very things that seem to be absent when you're in the desert, right? But look, just because you can't see a plan doesn't mean there's not one. All it means is that you just can't see it. That's all it means, which again is why it's so important you have other Christ followers in your life because when you have those other Christ followers in your life, maybe they can help you see little pieces and parts of what God's plan might possibly be. Okay, But here's the thing. In the Bible, there's lots of examples of how God took people into a desert experience and they did not understand the reason until after they were through on the other side of the desert. For instance, the people that were captive in Babylon. One of the reasons that God allowed them to be taken into captivity was because they had been worshiping idols. And so when God brought them out of captivity and back to the land of Israel, they were purified in their hearts because they were solely committed to worshiping the one true God. King David We talked about him earlier in this series. Part of the reason that God allowed David to go to the desert to live for a while while he was being hunted by King Saul was to change the condition of his heart. And so later on, when David became king, he became a different kind of king, a king who was much more compassionate and understanding of people because of when they had gone through a hard experience. Let's take John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. God took John the Baptist to live in the desert, and he ate locusts and wild honey just to stay alive. And the reason God took John the Baptist to the desert was to teach him humility. So that one day, John the Baptist could look at Jesus and say, he must become greater. I must become less. God even took Jesus, his own son, to the desert. Jesus went to the desert and stayed 40 days and fasted while he was there. And the reason he did was because God was preparing him for his public ministry. In fact, on the very last day of his desert experience, that's when Jesus was tempted three times by the devil to not trust in God. And think about, what if Jesus had given in? What if Jesus had faltered in that moment? If Jesus had faltered in that moment, then he could not have been our savior because he would have needed saving from his own sins. And then what? Then then who who would have been our savior? I mean, God only had one son. I mean, we would have we would all truly have been without hope in that in that moment. I remember one time when I went through a, through a truly horrible desert experience. Um, I was on staff at another church, and um, I, I actually had hopes that, like, one day that I would become the senior pastor at that church. 
And then when the time came to, for them to consider candidates um, for a new senior pastor at that church, um, I was told that not only would I not be considered as a candidate, but that they didn't even want me to be a part of that ministry anymore. I'm telling you, I get broke my heart. I remember I went that night to my accountability group with my two best friends, and I mean, I mean, I just sat on the floor, and I, I bawled my eyes out for about an hour and a half. You know, and these, look, these two dudes, like, they had no idea what to do. I mean, they were like, I mean, because they're bros, right? I mean, they, they don't know how to handle that. And so, I mean, they just, they just sat there, and honestly, and they said nothing which is exactly what I needed them to do. I just needed them to be there. I mean, that was a horrible, horrible desert season for me. And this was before I even knew that God wanted me to start Parkway Fellowship. But after all that was over, God did tell me to start the park. And through that desert experience, I learned to trust God when it seems there is no way. Because I'm telling you, when I was going through that, I didn't see any way that things were going to end well. But I learned to trust God no matter what is going on around me because he will make a way when there is no way. That's what I learned in my desert experience. Because I'm telling you, when you're going through a desert experience, Sometimes it just, it feels like there is no plan, and it's definitely not good. That there is no hope, that there is no future, but I'm telling you, there is. There is. And I just simply have to sometimes just choose to trust that there is. And so listen, I, I would encourage you, if you're not in a desert experience now, decide right now, before you go into the desert, that you are going to trust that there is a plan. Because God tells us that there is is he's got plans for you look most of the time you don't know what they are most of the time it doesn't feel like there even is one but just because you don't know you don't know that there is a plan doesn't mean there's not one okay all right last thing this morning here it is number uh well not number three just the third fill-in here it is i need to seek god with all my heart seek god with all my heart I've reprinted the second part of this passage there for you. It's in uh, beginning of verse 12 of Jeremiah 29. It says this, it says, God says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you declares the Lord. Look, our Heavenly Father says that if you'll seek him, you will find him. And just so that like, he doesn't lose anybody, he says it a second way. He says that he will be found by you. Okay, let me illustrate this. Um, for those of you that are parents, when your kids were small, or if your kids are small, did anybody ever play hide-and-seek with your kids when they were small? Anybody ever play hide you got to put your hands up. Like, you play hide-and-seek. Like, that's, it's an okay game to play with children. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I played hide and seek with my, little, my kids, like with Libby and Ben, when they were like four, you know, like five years old, like when it was just, you know, daddy at home. Like one of the things we do is like we play hide and seek. Look, I got to tell you this, like my kids are terrible at this game. I mean, they're, they're, like, they're awful at it. Like, they're, they're terrible hiders. I'm mean, like, you know, we would hide, and I, I'd go count, and then they would go hide, and I'd come in the den, and like, they're, they're hiding behind a floor lamp, like this. I'm like, and I walk in the room, you know, and I see them immediately, and I'm thinking, what? And so, like, I go over, and I'm like, oh, where are the kids? And I go to the couch, I'm like, are they under the couch? No. Are they over behind the curtains? No. And they're over there behind the floor lamp. They're just giggling because they're like, oh, dad can't find us. Oh. So I'll go look in like five or six different places. And then I find me like, oh, there you are. And they go, ah. And I'd, you know, I'd scoop up ours. Like we'd you know, laugh, giggle, and we'd hug and that kind of thing. And so then, then it'd be my turn. Okay. Now look, not only are my kids terrible hiders, they're terrible finders too. I mean, they're just not good at it. So, and, and look, and I didn't make it hard. I, I would go, and I hid in the same place almost every time. I would go hide in the walk-in pantry and close the door. And so then I'd hear them counting, and when they'd finish counting, you know, they'd go in the den, they're like, is dad under the couch? And they'd go, is dad behind the curtains? Is dad behind the lamp? And, and finally they kind of couldn't figure out where I was. So they, and so they'd go this, they'd go, dad? Where are you? And I'd be like, I'd be like, I'm over here. <laughs> and so they, and might even, sometimes they would say it like two or three times to kind of use their echolocation. And they kind of, you know, figured out where I was. So they, they'd open the door of the pantry. They'd go, ah! And I'd go, ah! And, you know, we'd hug and, you know, kiss and just, you know, like had, and just had a good time, just laugh and giggle. And it, was, and it was great. Okay. Now, here's what I've learned about the game of hide and seek. The fun is not in the hiding. The fun is in the finding. And get this. If as an earthly dad, my joy is when my kids find me, can you imagine the amount of joy our Heavenly Father has when we search and find Him? Can you imagine how excited He is when his children come and seek and find him, oh, I'm telling you, it fills his heart. Look, and God doesn't make it hard to find him. I mean, look, by the way, where in the universe could God possibly hide? Like, what, what in the world is big enough to conceal him? I mean, nothing. And, and our Heavenly Father, he longs to be found by you. He longs to be found by me. Look, and in the, look, sometimes when you're in the desert, it might feel like you're saying, okay, God, where are you? And God is calling out to you, here I am. And he's speaking to you through other people, through other circumstances, through books, through songs, through whatever because he tells you he promises you he's like look if you'll seek me with all your heart you will find me like i will be found by you now how do you seek god with all your heart you're faithful to be a part of church you pray even when you feel the conversation is one-sided 
You start reading your Bible, and you keep reading it, whether you're getting some out of it or not. You stay in community with other Christ followers. Those are the things you do in the desert, and it prevents you from confusing it with being deserted. Now, one last thought. Before you can seek God with all your heart, you have to make sure that you've given him your heart, right? And you do that by choosing to become a Christ follower. Because when you become a Christ follower, you ask Jesus to come into your life to forgive you for everything you've ever done, and you give your heart to follow him as best you can from that day forward. So let me ask you. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and then given your heart to follow him? If you haven't, there's a prayer. It's at at the bottom of your message. So I want you to take a second. I want you to pray that prayer. I want you to pray it right now. Because look, here's the thing. Sometimes God sneaks up around the back set of your life and he speaks to you And he's speaking to you in ways that maybe you didn't recognize at first. But once you know it's him, you'll hear him speaking to you through those other things. And it'll prevent you from confusing the desert with being deserted. Bow your head, close your eyes, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us and that that you've, that you've never deserted us. I thank you that you take us to the desert for certain reasons. And so, Lord, I pray for anybody that's going through the desert right now, Lord, that you would let those reasons come to pass so that the desert experience could end quickly. But in the meantime, Father, we all confess to you that we believe you when you say that there is a plan and that you're doing it to provide us hope and a future. But yet we also know that we'll find you when we seek you with all of our hearts. And so I ask you to help each one of us to do that, whether we're in a desert or not. And so thank you, Father. Thank you for how you love us and are faithful to us our whole lives. Help us to be faithful back. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.